If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. So you want your charity to succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern-day fundraising success. And practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who, along with our host, provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call-in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of the Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And uh, welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach. Great to have you all here live with us, uh, coming to you live from the nation's capital. Today is September 13th, and as always here on the Nonprofit Coach, we start the show with Page One News. Now, for those of you who might be new here to the Nonprofit Coach, uh, Page One News means that we have news links available for you over at tedhart.com. Click on radio links so you can follow along with me. Don't forget when we get to Page Two, which is our Page Two expert, that is the live call-in show portion of today. Uh, And as the announcer said, you can join us live by dialing 347 324 3080 press the number 1 to raise your hand here on the switchboard to let you let me know that you would like to ask a question first up here in the radio links on the nonprofit coach uh, comes to us from businessinsider.com over on businessinsider.com you'll find 23 things great brands do in social media. Uh, These are very practical tips, things that you can do and things that you need to keep in mind as you are starting to move towards integrating social media into the culture of your organization. Read all about it over at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. Next up in the radio links today is really, again, very practical advice. This one coming to us from the American Express 
Open Forum. Uh, over on American Express Open Forum, you will find email newsletters, best practices for small businesses. Well, this gives you very practical advice on best time of day to send out your uh, e-newsletter, best wording, um, best unsubscribe etiquette, so that you know, let's make sure we keep the etiquette correct here online, and best ethics. Uh, as a nonprofit sector, we want to make sure that we are upholding the very best ethics in the use of our online resources. Now, next up here on the Nonprofit Coach, as we regularly do, we have a number of good friends and guests here uh, on the Nonprofit Coach and page one uh, who have announcements, who have important information that they would like to share with you. And today, uh, one of our very good friends of the Nonprofit Coach from the very earliest days of our show is Kendall Webb, uh, who is CEO of Just Give. Uh, as uh, you know, here on the show, we've been uh, uh, suggesting that for small nonprofits, Just Give is an excellent way for you to get into the uh, option of offering online giving uh, because they've already created a page for you. Well, live here today on the show uh, is Kendall Webb. Welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach, Kendall. Hello, Ted. Thanks for having me. Hey. Yeah, great to have you back here on the show, as always. But I do understand that there are a number of changes that are coming to Just Give, uh, and you wanted to come on the show and share those with our listeners. Uh, today, in the radio links, we have provided a direct link to JustGive.org so that our listeners can go directly there. When they get there, what changes and what things are happening over at Just Give? Oh, thanks for giving um, me the chance to, to talk about these. So as a nonprofit organization ourselves, um, we've been working very hard to send as much of every donation directly to all the nonprofits that we work with through our donors and through our nonprofit resources. Um, our fee has been 3% for the last 10 years, um, uh, one of the lowest out there, and we've kept it the same for 10 years, um, and we've been breaking even on our transaction costs, and our board has generously been subsidizing the other costs outside the transaction costs for donors to give, such as check distribution costs and tech costs and customer service. Um, however, over the 10 years... Which is great, but there's, there's a life expectancy to that sort of generosity given this, uh, this kind of market. So uh, what's the future uh, rates going to be? Right. So over the 10 years when the banking and transaction fees to us have been slowly increasing, we've absorbed those expenses, um, knowing the importance of keeping costs low. But a decade later, when we looked at our um, long-term life as Just Give, we realized that we needed to increase our fee to 4.5% to cover okay. these increasing costs. And um, what I really want to emphasize is that we made this high – we had long discussions about whether to make it a very small increase just to break even or continue to subsidize for a long time. And we decided to make this jump very consciously um, because um, we didn't want to show price volatility and every few years increase our price. So we have this price as um, something that we, we are set to keep for hopefully another decade. And we're dedicated to being stable and, you know, not an unpredictable um, price volatile site like some of the other folks in our sector who may change every year or two. So we've picked a price that would work long term. Um, and uh, we really looked at this decision and we realized um, how we could make it 
the best for nonprofits as well because we're very conscious that a, a pricing. Uh, Kendall, how does this uh, new rate uh, compare to services like Network for Good? Network for Good raised their price again to 5% now. So we still stayed lower. We're trying to always be the lowest that we can be, staying also stable for many years. So there's an example where we are very consciously trying to save nonprofits as much as they can. Even, um, you know, a half a percent we've heard from all of our nonprofits goes such a long way over their donation collections over the year. So and, what uh, other changes are coming uh, quickly to uh, to just give uh, in uh, light of this uh, price fair? And, of course, as you're pointing out, uh, you're still remaining the, the lowest of this kind of service for nonprofits in the marketplace. Great. Yeah, so what we are going to do is we realize, too, that with this, we can um, spend a lot more resources enhancing our programs and innovating new ways for donors to give, um, so that way we won't be – focusing on fundraising, we want to be focused on the things that really leverage our platform to bring more money to, to, to uh, nonprofits. So um, we, for example, this month have launched a new customized memorial giving area to make it easier for individuals to ask for donations in lieu of flowers for specific causes. Um, so this will bring new funding, which is always our core mission to bring new funding. Um, we're also developing a mobile application that will encourage donors to give on their mobile devices when they're not at their desk, which is becoming a new important thing for people. So if they're in an event or watching an emotional ask on TV or a movie or a concert, we just had a Dave Matthews concert where he gave an emotional ask. And All charities who use the Just Give site will have mobile giving uh, opportunities using the Just Give service? Exactly, exactly. So they'll be able when to will that launch? That. And when will that That's launch? That's going to launch in about three months. And okay. it's already being tested with these concerts where people are using them already. So that's Terrific. exciting. I hope you'll come back on uh, the Nonprofit Coach uh, when that's ready to launch to uh, give us the good news of the new mobile services that are coming along with the, uh, the other changes that you have over at Just Give. Terrific. Well, thanks, Ted, for having us on. Kendall, thank you. Uh, this is Kendall Webb, uh, President and CEO of JustGive.org. The link is available over in the radio links today. Again, Kendall, look forward to having you back here on the show, and good luck with all the changes over at Just Give. Uh, next up here on uh, page one news here on the Nonprofit Coach is just a programming uh, note, and that is uh, many of our listeners are aware of the fact that we also have uh, a monthly magazine called The Green Show. Uh, well, The Green Show for September has actually been rescheduled, just mark your calendar, for October 7th. This is Friday, October 7th, will be the next Green Show at 1 p.m. Uh, you'll find that at tedhart.com. Click on radio links and you'll find the entire schedule uh, there. And the topic there, we're very, very excited. Uh, Dana Goldstein, who is the founder of Philanthtech, um, we'll be speaking about green grants, how your organization can go green and find the money to afford to do that as well. So that will be the next green show here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, now, we've got a lot of exciting things coming up here uh, at uh, tedhart.com, and one of those exciting things, uh, we're always very pleased uh, uh, each month uh, to host the AFP Wiley radio program. That's always the third week of each month, uh, so watch the programming calendar. Uh, next week will be the AFP Wiley radio show where we 
highlight uh, those authors who are in the AFP book series uh, with uh, John Wiley and Sons. Well, we also participate and are very happy uh, to be part of the webinar series uh, that uh, the AFP hosts. The next webinar that I will be participating in uh, has the topic of nonprofit internet management strategies tools and trade secrets. The link is available over in the radio links at tedhart.com, and that date uh, is September 28th. Uh, so uh, we've got here on the show today, I believe, Chris Griffin is with us from AFP. Hi, Chris. Hey, Ted. Thanks for having us Great on. Great to have you here on the show. Now, let's start off with tell me what is the AFP webinar series uh, what is the benefit of the overall series to the marketplace? Um, we offer uh, their hour and a half webinars. They're scheduled uh, around lunchtime for East Coast folks. Um, and they, um, besides having experts like yourself um, present on varying topics, um, they also we also offer um, for those people who are looking for CFRE credit, they're all worth. Um, 1.5 CFRE continuing education credits, um, and like I said, as well as you know, there's topics everything from your social media and online to planned giving to major gifts to um, volunteers. All aspects. You of cover a lot of different uh, uh, topics for nonprofit executives, and the the benefit of this uh, webinar series is that uh, literally it can be uh, accessed from anywhere. Um, now, this uh, next uh, uh, program that I'm doing for you, uh, why don't you? Uh, we do have a link in the radio links today, so anyone who's interested in getting information and signing up for this webinar can do that at tedhart.com. Click on radio links, uh, but why don't you go over the date and time and details of uh, how people can get involved with this particular webinar scheduled uh, for September 28th uh, called Nonprofit Internet Management Strategies. Sure. Um, well, if they follow the link, um, they can go to order it, um, and it's uh, Wednesday, September 28th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, it will also be available after the live event, it will be available to download starting the next day. Okay. So anyone who, who finds September 28th at 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, 11 a.m. Mountain, and 10 a.m. Pacific uh, to not be a particularly convenient time, uh, they can also follow the link to be able to uh, purchase the webinar and receive the materials after the webinar as well. Correct. That's great. Well, wonderful series. Uh, we're very pleased to be part of this. Certainly, we encourage our uh, listeners uh, to consider uh, uh, purchasing the webinar from AFP as an opportunity to dig a little bit deeper and have uh, a, a, a good hour. Uh, this is an hour and a half. Is that correct? Yeah, an hour and 30 minutes yeah. a lecture time uh, with me. Uh, it's fast-paced, lots of information, and built on practical advice that you can use to succeed online. Chris Griffin from AFP, thank you for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach today. Thank you, Ted.
Great. Uh, next up here on the Nonprofit Coach, still here on page one uh, news, I do want to draw your attention uh, to uh, a very important uh, white paper which has been released from Blackbaud, and that is the Nonprofit Social Media Primer. Uh, this is a, a very important uh, document, I believe, that is being released, and this is being released in advance of uh, the Black Bod Conference, uh, which is coming up, and I'm very excited to bring here on uh, the nonprofit coach uh, to uh, have Ryan Klushkoff here uh, with us representing Black Bod to talk about uh, something uh, very creative, uh, Ryan, that uh, that we've come up with that's going to be uh, taking place in October. Uh, Ryan, welcome here to the nonprofit coach. Well, thank you very much for having me, Ted. It's a pleasure to be on. We're big fans of the nonprofit coach here at Blackbaud. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Well, it's, it's great to have you here, the creative minds of Blackbaud, working with the folks here uh, at TedHart.com and the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show, have come up with something we've never done before, and I'm pleased to, uh, uh, with you, uh, make an announcement today that we're going to, with Blackbaud, uh, be hosting the very first ever 90-minute Nonprofit Coach Radio Show, regularly scheduled time. This is going to be Tuesday, October Fourth at 12 noon Eastern, uh, and th but this is going to be done in a very different way. Ryan, you want to uh, tell our listening audience today a little bit about what's going to be swirling around the nonprofit coach on October 4th. Sure. Well, Blackbot is holding its annual conference for nonprofits from October 3rd to October 5th in Washington, D.C., uh, at the Gaylord National Harbor Hotel. Uh, it's our 12th annual conference, and this year we'll be celebrating BlackBaud's 30th year in business servicing the nonprofit industry. And this year we are very pleased to have yours, uh, yourself, Ted Hart, uh, and the nonprofit coach uh, presenting a live radio show live from the marketplace at BBCon, which is the hashtag for the BlackBaud conference for nonprofits. This is this is really going to be uh, quite exciting, and I, I really appreciate the creative minds at Blackbot who worked with us uh, to create uh, this sort of uh, centerpiece opportunity. Uh, so this, again, for our listening audience, uh, mark your calendars, Tuesday, October 4th at 12 noon Eastern will be the first ever 90-minute Nonprofit Coach Radio Show coming to you live from the BlackBaud Conference. And we're going to have a number of guests. Now, we typically, as we do today, uh, have a expert for the call-in show, uh, but we're going to have uh, several folks coming over uh, to the uh, uh, radio booth at uh, uh, BlackBaud. Uh, for the purpose of getting a chance to chat with people uh, and to talk about the uh, the important work that's being done, but th this is also a, a very special conference uh, for Blackbaud. Uh, you're celebrating an important anniversary along with this, are you not? We are. We are celebrating 30 years in business of servicing the nonprofit industry. We're we're very excited. Last year we had over 2,200 attendees attending the conference. We are confident that we are going to eclipse that number again this year. We have over 190 educational sessions that uh, attendees can qualify for CFRE and CPE credits and learn all about important topics uh, that help nonprofits achieve their mission, topics like organizational impact, interactive and direct marketing, fundraising, CRM, analytics, financial management, and how to raise more money. 
Well, those are all very important topics, and I will also, for those of you who are considering going to BBCon, I certainly encourage you uh, uh, to do that, and I will also be speaking at the uh, BlackBot Conference this year in addition to uh, hosting the special 90-minute nonprofit coach with Ted Hart live from uh, BBCon. Uh, uh, Ryan, thank Ted, you again should, for all of your support. Thank you for oh, the creativity of BlackBot. We certainly look Thank forward you, to working with you at the BlackBot Conference. And as I was sharing uh, with my listeners before you came on board here, we also have a very important link in the radio links today uh, to your nonprofit social media primer uh, that comes from your director of professional services. So uh, in addition to the conference and the radio show, BlackBot continues to be a thought leader in providing education in addition to software solutions. Well, thank you very much, Ted. We believe in giving back as well, and I should point out one other thing that we are doing at BBCon. This year we will be donating $0.25 cents for each tweet with the BBCon hashtag, $1 for each new like on BlackBot's Facebook page, and $1 for each new for each 2011 uh, BBCon Foursquare check-in to a nonprofit focusing on health and wellness as a result of the conference. We believe oh, well, in that's giving great. back. Well, make sure that we get the press release on that. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, we remind people in advance of uh, BBCon that uh, you have that generous uh, philanthropic uh, uh, outreach as well. Ryan Klushkoff from BlackBot, thank you again for joining us here live on The Nonprofit Coach. Thank you, Ted. It's always our pleasure. You bet. All right, uh, back here, uh, we have uh, a very long uh, page one today, and I'm very eager uh, to get to our outstanding uh, page two expert today. So I'm going to share with you just a couple of other links that you will find over in the radio links today coming to us from the Chronicle of Philanthropy. An environmental nonprofit has seized the opportunity uh, to change their thank you letters and to make a big difference uh, in their donor emotional ties to their organization. Read all about that in the radio links today. Also, one of the listeners of the show uh, shared uh, a really terrific 9-11 uh, remembrance uh, 10 years later, uh, and we're showing that over in the radio links as well. It's entitled Tonight, Our Eagle Cries. Uh, it's quite well done. I also will draw attention in uh, the uh, 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 archives of uh, the P2P fundraising newsletter. Those of you who are listening and receive that newsletter uh, did receive our remembrance over the weekend on September 11. We actually posted uh, some screenshots from uh, 2001 about fundraising, uh, a time that really changed the use of the Internet uh, by nonprofit organizations, uh, and also an article that I posted in October of 2001 uh, in remembrance of those who lost their lives and the change that was coming to America, and this was just a, a way to remember back. And it was uncanny as I read through that article uh, how similar the economic situation that we found ourselves in the nonprofit sector 10 years ago and how that really compared uh, to the nonprofit sector uh, that uh, we all face uh, here in the United States and around the world uh, today. So uh, with that, it is uh, my pleasure to uh, now uh, go straight on to page two. It is such a pleasure to have the opportunity 
to welcome yet another really top expert in our field here to uh, the nonprofit coach. Uh, every single time we have a show, we've got uh, uh, someone uh, even more illustrious than the last. Uh, but today, uh, we have really a unique opportunity uh, to welcome Gail Perry uh, to our show. She is the best-selling author of Fired Up Fundraising, Turning Board Passion into Action. Her Fired Up Fundraising approach, developed over 22 years as a nonprofit philanthropy expert, has helped organizations, large and small, raise literally hundreds of millions of dollars in gifts and support. Gail brings fundraising ideas alive by leading attendees inspired, energized, and excited about what they can accomplish. Um, it really is transformational for a lot of people who attend her lectures, but I'm very pleased that we have today here live on the, on the Nonprofit Coach, Gail Perry. Gail, welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach. How are you doing, Ted? Glad to be here. Well, it's great to uh, to have you here on the show. Uh, apologies for uh, an overabundance of uh, page one news. I find that that tends to happen when we come back from our summer hiatus, that we have a, a lot of things that we want to get caught up on. Uh, but I, yeah. I don't want to uh, waste any time uh, in getting into this really very important book for nonprofit organizations uh, who often do struggle with working with uh, their boards of directors. You've authored this book, Fired Up Fund. Fundraising. Tell me what is Fired Up Fundraising? Well, Fired Up Fundraising is really a different kind of approach dealing with fundraising and dealing with boards. Um, I find that boards are scared to death of fundraising. I'm sure you've worked with a few of those folks. And you've got to make it fun. You've got to make it easy for them. And most importantly, you've got to take the emphasis away from soliciting and putting it back on relationship development. I know you talk a lot about that yourself. And, and that really does make a difference in sort of changing uh, the dialogue with your, your board members. Um, but why is that important? What, what is it about board members coming to fundraising that tends to be a bit scary? Well, see, they, um, bless their hearts, they're well-meaning, they're wonderful folks, but they're not the professionals that we are. And I don't know why we think that we can just um, auto automatically expect them to go out um, and be successful raising money. I think that's a real myth that um, that fundraisers have. And actually, board members have another myth about fundraising. And their myth is, is that fundraising equals, get this, asking strangers for money. You right. know, if you mention fundraising to a board member, they're going to be like the deer in headlights, and they're going to go, oh, my God, rejection, money. And, well, and, um, and, and isn't that really sort of the, the, the heart of it is, you know, we, we, we inspire – to have these high-powered, very well-connected board members who are yeah. all very uh, successful in their individual lives and have no interest in coming to a charity and finding failure. Uh, and in their minds, one of the surest ways to fail is to be involved with fundraising. That's very true. And, um, I, again, we're, we're dealing with such misconceptions on both the part of board members and, and fundraisers that it's amazing that we're all getting along as well as we are. Um, and I'll tell you something So else. in your book, you, yeah. You, yeah. you talk about inspiring board members with a new philosophy of fundraising. Yeah. Uh, what is the philosophy of fundraising, and, and why does that make a difference? Well, the new philosophy of fundraising is that, um, the, the, that soliciting is not the most important thing about fundraising. 
It is um, a complete um, loving your donors. I mean, I, I, I like friend. I talk more about friend making than I do fundraising. And board members are like, oh, really? You mean we really want to raise friends from our organization and it doesn't matter whether or not they give to us? Well, I can do that. I can have porch parties and I can toast tours if I'm not all about the money. So it's taking the emphasis away from money, away from the sense of a transaction, and putting it much more in the glorious, wonderful sense of changing the world for our mission, standing up high on the hill, shining with purpose and enthusiasm, you know, it's how you are being as well as what you're saying. So fired up fundraising is a way of And it allows our board members, uh, Gail, it allows our board members to be human, right, to to not feel it's just about the money, but instead uh, to put the emphasis on relationship building, which most of our board members, if they've been successful, they get that. Yeah, they really do. But, But you have to, I think it's very important for staff to make it easy for board members to set up relationships. You've got to give them a path and a purpose and a format and a structure. Um, for example, if you decide that you want board members to host tours of your organization, you've got to be very systematic about it. You tell your board members, okay, we're doing a tour at 11.30 every Wednesday morning, and which one, which month do you want to sign up for? You get to host Right, right. So you're yeah. organizing the, the process mm-hmm. and making it possible for them to succeed. Absolutely. And there's a, there was an organization in Raleigh, uh, I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, Interact, the local rape crisis center, and a new CEO came on board and discovered that he only had 400 people on his mailing list. And he said, how am I going to raise money with this? So the board, uh, in their wisdom, established a friend-raising committee. And they, just, they competed with each other to see who could have the best friend-raiser in town. And the only rule was that each each group of board members who staged an event, a friend-raising event, it couldn't cost the organization a cent. And I think the most successful one was in a parking lot with a donated band and barbecue. But it was a huge uh, PR opportunity for this organization, and it really launched them into a very successful capital campaign a few years later. And, and so when I when I'm because they put the emphasis on those relationships. Yeah, I, I do a lot of board retreats around the country, and um, one of one of the things I've been working with boards lately on is the whole idea of um, I'm sure you'll appreciate this um, raising more money from your current donors because we all know in this economy, and I think there's a new report out just last week that said that people are far more unlikely to give to a new organization now than they were in the past. So if you're going to be making your year-end fundraising goals, you've got to be focusing on your current donors and also your last Oh, the organization has been spending weeks, Mm -hmm. months, years in in building those relationships. Uh, Maybe it is to, to put the emphasis there. Yeah, and I'll tell board members the statistics I think in for-profit companies are that it costs about 10, 10 times more to find a new customer for your business than it does to get more business out of a current customer or to renew right, a relationship. And so maybe it's time for the nonprofit sector uh, to start realizing that's probably true in our sector as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so, and it's a whole lot easier because if somebody's given you a um, gift and they've lapsed, that means that they have at one point believed in your mission. Uh, So going back to my board retreat, I I was working with the Corpus Christi Symphony in in Texas. And two weeks after the retreat, the board members independently organized a phone-a-thon, a a phone-a-thon committee to call lapsed donors and tell them, we love you, we miss you, and we want you back. 
And you better believe that that's going to directly impact the bottom line for the symphony. Well, and it also gives board members a direct opportunity to hear from the people who fund their organization. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the phone calling for board members is just a no-brainer. It's always a home run. Board members love it. Donors love it. And I'm sure you're familiar with the statistics that show that um, uh, many times if a board member makes a quick follow-up thank you phone call, the donor's gifts rise by as much as one-third, increased by 39%. And, again, that's because of relationship building. Yeah, yeah, and it also is undisputable, factual, documentary, data-driven proof that a board member can directly impact the bottom line without having to ask for money just by making the follow-up phone call and saying thank you. So what I do with boards is that I show them that there are many ways for them to be very effective in fundraising and to help their organizations um, without having to do the asking. I mean, if you can do the ask, we want you to do the ask. But otherwise, there's a lot of other stuff you can do. And can really affect the the bottom line uh, as well. Gail, we just have uh, a little bit of a reminder that we want to uh, get out to uh, all of our, uh, our listeners, and then we'll be right back. Okay. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. Yeah, we're uh, we're back, and I want to uh, remind all of our uh, our listeners that they can call in, uh, as the uh, the announcer just uh, reminded them at three four seven three two four three zero eight zero. You can also join us in the chat room, and we do have a number of people in the chat room. You can ask questions there uh, in the chat room. Uh, you can also email us at tedhart at tedhart.com. Now, Gail, I just wanted to uh, take a little bit of a departure from your wonderful book uh, and draw attention to the gailperry.com blog that you have, Fired Up Fundraising blog, uh, because in the radio links today, in addition to having you here as our guest, um, we have uh, your top ten things donors want from your nonprofit website. Um, and I just couldn't miss the opportunity, having you here live uh, on the show, uh, to ask you to share with our listeners as we're looking at year end here, uh, what are the strategies that are most important for nonprofit websites uh, from uh, from a donor's perspective? Absolutely. Great question. Um, and before I tackle a question, let me remind everybody listening that I've got a wealth of resources on the blog. Um, I publish a very thoughtful analytical article every week in my newsletter. And um, one thing that your listeners may be really interested in, I just posted a free workbook, 24-page workbook, called Recruiting Your Dream Team Board. Uh, So it gives you a format and a structure for going after the best people you could possibly have on your board. So all that's on the site. Um, So let's talk about websites because I know you're Mr. Internet and you're you're a leader in the field. You could probably answer this question for me. But so many organizations... Look at, um, you know, the website is almost a political issue. You know, everybody's got to have their thing on the website. And yep. uh, multiple decisions, multiple people are making decisions. And nobody will ever agree that the, the um, what the purpose of the website really is. They, people think it's a brochure. 
And I think the, and, and the most deadly websites we've ever seen are the ones with the brochure. So what? Right, and, that, and that's where you know we we uh, always uh, take the conversation in the direction of understanding the difference between Web 1.0 and Web 2.0. Uh, and a lot of nonprofit charity thinking is still stuck in Web 1.0, where we're posting things for people to read, but we're not thinking about the interactive web or why yeah. people are and what information that they're looking for. So that's really yeah. sort of the turning point is yeah. to get charities to understand that there's a whole different dialogue uh, that's okay. expected. The other thing that, uh, that uh, listeners here know, um, and those who attend my lectures are always uh, fairly well shocked, uh, is that a vast minority of people who come to the average charity website actually come to the homepage first. So the whole uh, battle... Uh, talking about about the turf wars on the home page uh, for most charities is really for naught uh, because that's not where the action is at it's uh, because most people are identifying and finding content on charity websites via search engines mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well I am really big for the call to action and I ask Absolutely. my clients and all my friends I say what is your call to action on your website what is the call to action on your home page what is the call to section action on your donation page? Make it clear. And everybody goes, oh, wow, gosh, I need to think about that. Um, every board retreat I do, every speech I do, I'm sure you're the same way. There's a call to action because people want to do something, but you have to direct them. So yeah. the most important thing, I think, for a nonprofit website is to make it easy to donate. Make it easy and I recommend all of my friends and clients and colleagues to go in and make a $5 donation and see what the process looks like, you know, and how does it feel and how long does it take. Um, yeah, and, and that's very yeah. good advice, uh, particularly for <laughs> yeah. smaller nonprofits that perhaps can't afford to hire a consultant. Uh, one of the great ways for you to monitor what others are doing uh, is to go and make a small contribution uh, to each of the organizations whose websites you really admire. Uh, and to monitor over time, how are they communicating with you? What are the tools and techniques? And uh, to start emulating some of those things that you think really work well that ought to have a place in the strategy for your organization. Great tip, great tip. And I think, too, that web donation pages can be very laborious, and it's easy to drive donors away by asking for too much information. I remember oh, yeah. I, was, I was registering for a conference in Charleston, South Carolina, and here I'm in North Carolina, and I put down all of my information, my credit card number and everything, and it rejected it because I didn't have the country. I didn't have USA. So I went back through the entire process again. I'm getting impatient. And don't you know it rejected me again because there was some other weird little thing I didn't have. And I almost left. I almost left. And I'm sure that donors, it would be interesting to try to track the abandon rate of your donation form. Do you know what those statistics are, Ted? I'd love to know the latest tracking data on how, how often donation forms are abandoned out of frustration. Yeah, and, and, and it is very high. And one of the ways for charities to get a handle on that for themselves uh, is to be using services like Google Analytics uh, where okay. they should be tracking uh, the traffic through their website and identifying what are those processes that are working and what are those processes that are not. I mean, how many people uh -huh. are clicking on your Donate Now button and never making a gift? Yeah. Uh, it, and one other, it, one it could very well be because there is a problem uh, with the way that you're managing your online services. 
Absolutely. And another thing I think is really important um, on a website is a little page or a little chart that says your gifts at work, your gifts at work, with a pie chart about where the money comes in and um, comes from and then where it goes out. Um, you, I'm sure you 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 and I follow the same reports that donors in this current recession are um, much less trusting of nonprofits. They're looking carefully at the data of how their money is being used. They want assurance that the nonprofit's well run and the overhead costs are not high. And so your gifts at work, right out there in front of everybody, um, is so very important. And I would even put it right on the donation page. I, it really is important, and, and I, you know, I've been talking about that for years in understanding uh-huh. the power of the internet to really bring stewardship alive, in a yeah. way that really only talked about it in the nonprofit sector, uh, but not really met that that criteria. Uh, yeah, we're going to take a, a little bit of a break, but when we come back from the break, I really was hoping that you would share. Um, you've got so many great tips in uh, in this very uh, very important uh, book, Fired Up Fundraising. Turn uh-huh. board action into action, uh, but uh-huh. one area of it that you have is something called the advice visit, uh, uh-huh. searching for hidden gold, and this is something yeah. I really, really believe in, and I want to yeah. ask you to share that with our listeners uh, when we come back from this break. Yeah, sure. We'll be right. want to take an opportunity here to thank the sponsor of today's Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart radio show, and that is BlackBod. Uh, BlackBod is asking the question, do you want to raise more money? Well, if you do want to raise more money, BlackBod can help. BlackBod is one solution from the world's leading provider of fundraising and CRM software for nonprofit organizations. With BlackBod, you can raise more money both online and offline with the help of their built-in fundraising best practices. But they've also got something new called the Giving Score, which allows you to focus on your very best donors uh, with BlackBod's new innovations. As Gail Perry here on the show just shared with you, one of the the strategies in this uh, post-Great Recession uh, nonprofit sector that we are all trying to raise money in, is to focus on your current donors. What are your best donors? And that giving score from BlackBod may be a big help in identifying that hidden gold. You can connect with your supporters with integrated e-marketing and social media tools. All of this is available at BlackBod. Check it out today at blackbod.com. Now, back to the show. Gail, I've always said you're such a smart person, but one of the smartest things in this book uh, is uh, your suggestion uh, that nonprofits start integrating into their overall fundraising strategy this thing that you call advice visits. What are they? Oh, yeah. Well, an advice visit is when you are doing a reconnaissance visit with a potential donor or friend or supporter. And, for example, I have this um, philanthropist in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I will call him up and I'll say, hey, Frank, I've got a new project up my sleeve. Can I come pick your brain? And, of course, he's thrilled to come for me to come talk because he knows that he gets to do the talking. Um, I'm really big on listening your way to the gift, as we all know. 
And an advice visit is a low-pressure... Let, um, let me stop right there, yeah. because that, yeah. that that is pure gold, what you just said there. <laughs> yeah. That's listening yeah, the way to the go. gift. Now, now yeah. say that again and help us understand, because I'm not sure that people really... Because we're not yeah. all good listeners, I'm not sure that oh. everybody say that, oh, and that's yeah, so not. important. Yeah, I have a couple of recent posts on listening that your your uh, people may enjoy um, reading on my my website. But the whole thing is, if you're doing more than fifty percent of the talking, you're dead. And the kiss of death to a fundraiser is to be boring. And the easiest way to be boring is to talk too much. I mean, you do not want. Uh, the person you're visiting with to wish you would leave, now do you? Uh, and I think Maya Angelou wrote, um, said something really wonderful that I always share with my audiences. She said, when you're gone, they don't remember what you said. They don't remember what you did, but they remember how you made them feel, right? So you want to make the donor do the talking so that they will feel happy with you and that they will want to see you again. Um, I used to call when I used to be a head, uh, one of the top fundraisers at UNC Chapel Hill and in, in, uh, in University of North Carolina, and I would call on uh, this Wall Street hedge fund guy who was this really huge, important dude. And um, he, I, I was the only fundraiser from Carolina he would ever see because he, I knew that I needed to get out of his office after 13 and a half minutes before he lost interest, and I would never wear out my welcome. So. Um, I, when I went in to see Mr. Wall Street, I had him do the talking. And through that... Because a lot of fundraisers, and maybe it's nerves or maybe it's uh, not yeah. being mature enough, and uh, take the opposite approach in that you, they're really trying to talk people into giving. And yeah. the point that you just made is such a, such a very, very important point, and that is actually listening your way into the gift. Yeah, and when I'm training board members on how to... Um, uh, find prospects and make friends, the first thing I do with them is to teach them an elevator speech uh, process that has them only speak for 30 seconds, and then they invite the other person to give their opinion. Um, so um, uh, my current um, blog post up on my site, gailperry.com, is, um, is, is to how to make your ask um, when you're asking for a gift um, irresistible to a donor. And one of those things is is that listening and taking your taking the cue from the donor. The donor will tell you what his hot buttons are. The donor will tell you what what she wants to do, uh, and they will practically talk themselves into the gift. Um, but the advice visit, going back to the advice visit, is really fun, and board members like this idea a lot because they know that they don't have to have a fancy presentation. I think board members in particular and fundraisers too think they've got to have a presentation that will like bowl over somebody, you know, like sales. Uh, and then the vice visit is low pressure because you don't really have to have a slick presentation. You want the donor to, inv- to ask you questions about your plan. You want him even to um, take pot shots at, at your proposal and your plan that you're bouncing off him because that means he's interested. And we always you know, say I, that... Uh, Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. We we say that involvement leads to investment. And so the advice visit is the first step to getting the donor involved with your cause. Giving them an opportunity to talk about what's important to them. Gail, Mm -hmm. I think you you have a lot of fans everywhere, but I think you have a fan in Dallas. Uh, Susan um, is writing, and I'm thinking she must have your book, uh, because she's (laughs) asking you specifically what are follow-up cards. 
Follow-up cards are a wonderful tool for any event, for any tour, um, for, you know, lots of times organizations will kill themselves to have every important person in town at an event, but there's never any follow-up. So a follow-up card is a little cute little card that, that you ask people to fill out with their name and their address and their contact information and their email. They can choose to give this to you or not. So they self-select whether they want to hear from the organization. And also it should have some boxes that say, I would like to make a gift. I have an idea I'd like to discuss with you. Please call on me. I would like to join your newsletter. I would like to volunteer. I would like to host a social event like this for this cause myself. Whatever it fits with your organization, let the donors and the prospects choose how they want to be dealt with by the organization, and you get that fabulous piece of data called the email address, which makes the donor's contact information infinitely more valuable to you. And there's a sample you know, a lot of what you're on my site. Yeah, a lot of what you're talking about is sort of taking people in a bit of a different direction. You keep talking yeah. about listening. You keep talking about people identifying how they would like to be contacted. You're, you're talking about a very different mode of communication than a lot of organizations who I, I think kind of get nervous when they're opening themselves up to other people directing as opposed to themselves directing yeah. everything. Yeah, well, I call it the Southern School of Fundraising, you know, Good Manners. Um, white Gloves and Pearl School of Fundraising. I'm wearing my pearls today <laughs> up in Connecticut. <laughs> but the thing is, is that good manners works. And, um, and being pushy, I do not believe in arm twisting. I don't believe in being pushy. You know, I think if somebody does not want to hear my wonderful news about my cause, there are plenty of other people who do. So I bless and release the people who are not interested. And I'll tell you something else, Ted. My number one motto in fundraising is when in doubt, throw a party. And what I mean by that... Tell us more about that, because you know, throwing a party at first then yeah. sounds expensive, sounds like a lot of work, and what's, what's the payoff well, going to be? And that's the CEO asking those questions. Yeah, well, no, here, here's, here's, the th here's the thinking. Make it fun. Make it fun for everybody. Be a fun person to be around. Um, make your board meetings into a party. Make your uh, donor visits into a party. Make your events into a party. I mean, celebrate the work you're doing, and, and my thinking is is that if you are having a good time, um, people will want to be, they will be attracted to your cause. Uh, there's nothing that says that nonprofit work, charity work, has got to be dreary and sad. Um, volunteers these days have got a lot of places they can spend their time and attention, and they want to enjoy themselves. So and I that's often that the best way to fun. lose your really good board members uh, yeah. is by really making service on your board a drudgery. Yeah, yeah. And actually, step one in Fired Up Fundraising is um, liven up your board. Uh, so your board's got to be happy. They've got to be excited. They've got to enjoy being a board member before you ever raise the F word to them. Um, so so I have course, a lot of material. Of course, you mean by the F word meaning? Fundraising. Right. <laughs> just want to make sure that for anybody that just tuned in, uh, what might have yeah. met there. Yeah, well, that's what board members think. They think it's the F word. But you can see that when um, my approach to fundraising is deliberately lighter, and when I'm working with a board or speaking to board members, I'm using stories, I'm making jokes, I'm making it fun. 
I'm modeling the kind of energy that they need to have when they're representing their organization out in the community. They got to be on fire, enthusiastic. They got to be fired up. And if they're nervous about the money part of fundraising, they're going to be um, their energy is going to shrink and be cold and clammy, and nobody's going to want to be with them. You know, so, yeah, so, David so, in Newark is uh, sending in an email question asking, yeah. uh, what is a governance committee and how is that different from a nominating committee? All right. Well, a governance, governance committee is a nominating committee grown up. And I think every organization needs a strong governance committee. And actually there's a, um, there's a list of 14 jobs of a governance committee on my site at gailperry.com. You can search for governance committee in the search box on the right-hand side. But governance committee does the nominating, but they are in action all year long to be looking at, to be vetting new candidates, to be developing new board candidates, um, so that you're not having this last-minute push push to try to find somebody to get on the board, and you end up with somebody who's not really what you want or the, you're somebody's best friend. And they, the best friend may be great, but they may not be great. The other jobs a board, a board governance committee does they look out for the care and feeding of the board itself. Are people engaged? Um, um, is, is there a disruption that has to be dealt with? Are um, term limits working? Do we need to look at our bylaws? Uh, how are board meetings working or not working for board members? You know, I'm, in, I'm chair of a board governance committee for a board in North Carolina, and I'm in charge of the evaluation for every board meeting and right now we're considering a possible change, and I've asked everybody to email me their, com their comments so that we can deal with it. Um, something else that a board governance committee does is that they should be responsible for an annual board self-assessment. And I love board self-assessment. A little bit more about that because, that, you know, that I think most board members and volunteers are very, very tuned into evaluating the CEO or the executive director, oh, yeah. but what oh, about yeah. board evaluations? Funny about that, isn't it, Ted? But um, yeah. a board self-assessment. There are two kinds, or two parts to it. One is board members look at themselves and their own performance on the board, and then the board as a whole gets to look at its performance. I mean, does the board even have goals for itself? Do the individual board members even have goals for themselves? You know, that's a, that's something I work a lot with with boards is to help uh, these goals get set, and. Um, I like, frankly, I really like a board self-assessment because if there's something going on with the organization or the board that is difficult to talk about or is sensitive, and the, you, the staff doesn't want to bring it up because you, the staff, you know, you don't burn, kill the messenger or something. Uh, but if the board members speak privately and anonymously in a board self-assessment about a certain issue, then a facilitator or staff can come back and say, okay, well, it looks like y'all are interested in these three things, and so let's set up task forces to discuss these things, and you can come back with some recommendations. You know, you can make it, you can take an emotional hot topic and make it um, diffuse the situation, put it on the table for discussion. What are some of the things that, that charities might not think about that would, that would need to be in a board self-assessment? What, what are some well, of the less obvious well, frank, points frankly, for board review? I don't think boards set goals for themselves very often. You know, they, they sort of have these sort of lame job descriptions for board members that say, my job as a board member is to support the mission and to attend meetings and serve on one committee and be an advocate in the community, blah, blah. You know, nothing specific. 
I mean, I like that stuff. I think that's fine, that sort of pro forma. But then as a board member, I'm going to do these specific things. I'm going to attend two out of three major events. I'm going to be responsible for bringing in, um, for hosting a tour or hosting a porch party to make new friends. I'm going to make X number of follow-up calls. Um, very specific jobs that fit in with the organization's fundraising program. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think we... I'm sorry, I don't think yeah, drawing from your your uh, yeah. board self assessment, which I think is brilliant. Yeah. Um, do you also suggest uh, a an individualized board work plan for the year? Well, you know, I think it depends on the board and the organization and the culture and the history. Um, you have to meet people where they are, and if you take them too fast, they'll resist you. Um, A board governance committee could propose to the rest of the board members, hey, you know, we're thinking about doing this individual board plan. What do y'all think? Are y'all willing to do this? Right. So it's a step process to introduce these new ideas. How long does it take from, you know, where an average board might be today to having some of these efficient and really effective tools in place? Well, you know, that, again, depends on the people. Um, You know, I I have I've written a lot about boards gone wrong, boards gone wild. And if you've got a culture that doesn't have term limits and is not interested in being high-performing, if you've got more of a social club or a group of martyrs or people who say, we own this organization, um, they are going to resist change like crazy. Uh, And I think that's really sad. And when when you have a board that treats itself like they own the organization or they, they resist change, your um your 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 organization's in trouble. Uh, one of my favorite and sometimes quotes, it is news to boards of directors that they actually do set policy and that they do oversee the overall uh, organization. I, I once had uh, an organization whose executive director had convinced them that the board did not have the authority to fire him. <laughs> That's <laughs> Which, I, on one hand, some people might think, gee, that's brilliant, how do I do that? But, but it's, it's indicative of just how far the board had stepped away from its duties. Yeah, well, you know, board training is so important, but the problem is, is that most of the board training out there is incredibly dull. I mean, I think the whole governance field is full of these experts who do nothing but blather, and that's fine. But but if you're going to get a bunch of important people in a room together, you've got to give them something worth listening to and, and something that they feel like their time is well invested. I mean, just pr- providing board training to them and making them sit through it could be very deadly. Yeah, it really so can. Like and I'm so glad that you said that because I, I think it has to be within context uh, for it to really – uh, sink in for, for board members because, unfortunately, for every organization that's listening today, the good board members will leave first, and the ones who will be left behind will not be the highly functioning board members if you don't take Gail Perry's suggestions today uh, to uh, to heart. Uh, Gail, I want to thank you so much for your time here today. I want to remind our listeners that we will be back next week on Tuesday, September 20th at 12 noon Eastern. Uh, That will be for the very special AFP Wiley radio show here on the Nonprofit Coach. Our guest will be Tom Wilson, uh, who is an author and fundraising consultant, uh, and his uh, book is part of the AFP Wiley series, as yours is, and, and, and is entitled 
winning gifts. And of course, in this market, uh, we need that. I'm very excited to uh, share with our listeners that uh, today I will be uh, heading to Amsterdam and lecturing uh, there for a group on Thursday. Uh, and then uh, next week's show will be coming to you live uh, from Madrid, Spain, uh, as part of their annual uh, conference of fundraisers uh, in Madrid. We will be hosting uh, the AFP Wiley radio show from Europe next week. Gail, thank you so much for your time here on the show. Let's just wrap up real quick by uh, making sure that everybody knows how they can reach Gail Perry. Yes, gailperry.com, G-A-I-L-P-E-R-R-Y. And my Twitter handle, I'm very active on Twitter, as you know, is at gailperrync. Um, I've got my Fired Up Fundraising um, uh, Facebook page, and I really do respond to emails. Um, and so you can either you can po- you can send me a question by way of my website or on Facebook, and I'll respond. Um, but I'd love to hear from you. That's great. And everybody, of course, make sure that you uh, go to Amazon.com today. Get yourself a copy of Fired Up Fundraising. Gail, you have shared some invaluable uh, tips today uh, that really can be very transformational for every single uh, nonprofit executive listening today. Join us back here on the Nonprofit Coach one week from today. Bye, Madrid. Thank you. That is the show for today. Thank you, everyone, for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.